Hey, welcome to Guitar Knobs, the guitars, gear, noise, and nonsense podcast hosted today by these knobs. Jay Donovan. Jeff Fisher. Cookies. <laughs> Me, Todd Novak, and our guest knob. Brian Adams. Brian Adams. The 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 guy the guy from Canada the singer yes. songwriter not no disclaimer no. <laughs> not from Canada our 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 uh, stats are going to go through the roof once they yeah. find yeah. out yeah. <laughs> yeah, we got Brian. I, I do get tagged a lot on Instagram yeah I have at Brian Adams and it's sort of like if you're a big fan why wouldn't you know how to spell his name correctly sure right so I get yeah. tagged a lot Gr- loved your show I'm like thanks <laughs> <laughs> do you ever come back with anything real snappy i've tried but then it just then you start something you don't want to start so <laughs> it's probably best just just to take the credit and move sure. on you could ask for money send me money i i like these ideas yeah <laughs> so for context uh brian to <laughs> for context uh, Brian is a local Colum- Col- Are we Colombians or Columbites? No, we're not Columbusites. We're not Columbusites. Columbus- Columbus- I don't know what the right term. Columbanoids. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Okay. Uh, who is very well versed in the art and business of guitar? Played for many years and has got a lot to share with us today. And let's start off by figuring out. What the crap is new with us in our music worlds today? Jay. So, so I've been fooling around with, uh, mm. with a little... Uh, <laughs> no, it's nothing like that. Uh-huh. Uh, unfortunately, it's nothing like that. Uh, a little smoky amp. So, and uh, this came to me. I thought well, I'd talk a little bit about this today because it came to me from our guest, uh, Brian Adams. Wait, the Brian Adams? The. From Canada? <laughs> right. From, <laughs> I'm gonna run to you. Oh man, you did not just do that. <laughs> hey, so I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this out there though yeah, while okay. we're on topic, just get this out of the way. Okay. You were wearing a fleece in a very small room, I might add, and it's I, super hot in here. How are you I'm, doing this? I don't know. I I'm not that hot. Okay. I'm, you know, cuts like a knife. That record and Reckless, I had them. Sure. They're, they're kind of like, you know. They're the ones that I find it hard to admit that I like, but I still kind of like. I'm just going to put that out there. Okay. All right, hey, now that's way worse than Smash Mouth. Yeah. <laughs> Why did you say that when you up again? I'm just trying you to get You managed some to just, do that in like every... Justification. I don't understand this. Okay, on with your smoky amp. All right, so Brian loaned it to me because I needed to... So you remember in the ongoing saga of the Rhodes keyboard that I'm trying to sell... Which I still have not sold. Oh, uh, one guy, so one guy wanted, you know, wanted me to sell it to him. This was not you when you were punking me and like, you know, does it make sexy or whatever it was you were saying? It was like Borat or whatever. <laughs> but one guy who lived in I don't know, like Erie, Pennsylvania, you know, you know, the, the Craigslisting started off great. He's like, hey, I'll buy it. And I was like, awesome. And he's like, can you drive to Erie, Pennsylvania? I was like, no. He's like, well, how about if you meet me halfway? And I was like, it's like, how about if you come to Columbus? And he was like, no, we're going to meet halfway. So we started, you know, then there were like 25 or 30 emails. And he, he had Jeez. like a bunch, all these requirements. And it was like, man, this is really getting difficult. But he wanted to hear it, and so we were trying to figure out how, you know, how are you going to hear the roads? Plug in at a BP, man. It's yeah. like a giant, this giant <laughs> thing. 
I had the, you know, the, the minivan at the time. So I thought, oh, I'll kind of like put it in the back and we'll you just didn't like, record a video. No, no. Well, we never, we never met. Like the whole thing fell through because it was just like so much. He's like, well, we'll meet at this like casino. And I was like, are you going to like murder <laughs> me? Yeah. There was a casino in between. We'll meet at the horse track. Pitts, in Pittsburgh. Right. Some, which he determined was halfway between, um, Erie and Columbus and maybe it is and then I, I started to think like he just lives in Pittsburgh and he's like mm-hmm. just wants me to drive to Pittsburgh but anyway I was trying to actually solve the problem of how how's he going to hear this Rhodes to make sure that it like is good because it's in really great shape I might add if there were anybody out there that wants to buy one <laughs> mm-hmm. it's really clean it on the on inside yeah <laughs> well the link will be posted somewhere um, so I borrowed Brian's little smoky amp and it's a little nine volt uh Battery powered um, guitar amp. Mm-hmm. Wait, how did we get here? <laughs> this is what's new. This is what I've been. Uh, well, it's a long what road. What about the roads? You just well, we, he's, oh, he's going. getting there. Yeah, <laughs> oh. I was the the whole reason I borrowed his amp was to solve this problem of how this guy can hear the roads without me having to be able to plug into a wall, an amp into a wall or something, so he can hear it. Right. This little amp that Brian has is a nine volt. You know, I think you told me they used to make them out of, they put them in cigarette It was cases, like, a, right? like a hard packed cigarette thing yeah. and the guy would fabricate all the electronics in it and then they started yeah, making it. like an Altoid amp or yeah, something yeah, like that. Exactly. Yeah. Same, I got same a model. Bush's Bean amp. Yes. No way. Yes, you do. Yeah, it's awesome. I'll bring it in next week. All right. That's how, I, that's how I do my Craigslisting at the BPs on the, <laughs> on the highways. <laughs> no, there was a market for these Craigslist amps, but apparently <laughs> yeah. there is. It worked. Uh, it, the, the one Brian had was a... Uh, Plastic actually it wasn't in the cigarette case, but uh, surprisingly amount, surprising amount of uh, volume, and the roads hitting all those mids really, you know, I could it would overdrive it a little bit. Mm-hmm. I blew the thing up, dude. Sorry, it's fine. <laughs> um, no, but uh, that's what's new. It, I all the all the um, you can see on their website. What is it? Smokyamps.com. You can see where um, they're they're pushing it pretty hard, and and it can sound pretty cool and kind mm-hmm. kind of nasty for this little you know. In these days, when you can do all this th- virtually through an iPhone or whatever, um, this was kind of cool to me because it was an actual mm-hmm. physical object. And yeah, that costs like nine bucks to make, maybe, yeah. if that. There's a very quick funny story about that. <clears throat> I bought that Smokey that he borrowed in 1991 at Guitar Guitar in Sherman Oaks, California. And I'm seeing this guy play this thing. I'm like, well, that thing sounds kind of, you know, a little thin sounding amp. It's got like a, what, a two-inch speaker and it's yeah. tiny. But then I see, like, they have a demo on their website. The guy plugs it into a Marshall Slant 412 cabinet. It has a speaker output. And this thing drives this cabinet. Really? Full on, and it makes it sound like it's a stack. So you think it's it's just a little tinny, bad-sounding amp, but in reality, it's just a bad-sounding speaker. Mm -hmm. But it just drives this thing. And right as this guy's playing it, I look over, and this guitar instructor wanders out of the back, and he's got this long white blonde hair and it was one of the Nelson brothers from Nelson oh, I thought and you Johnny Winters and I was like what looks a lot like Johnny Winter and it, so I, I'm hearing this incredible sounding little tiny amp and then I turn around and it's like Gunner Nelson is standing there so I'm like I have to buy this thing because it's just sure. such a weird story well now you got a story now I got a story that's cool there's that's a name I didn't think I'd ever hear again Gunner Nelson <laughs> yeah. may have been Matthew well, we're I don't know the difference names today this is going to be the name dropping episode oh yeah okay Cookie, what do you got? Uh, so last time, remember, I was in a little bit of a writer's block. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I said 
try or screw trying to write new music and I actually resurrected a song I wrote 12 years ago and started uh, retracking and re changing mm-hmm yeah that's that's about it can we bolster your newness with the guitar that you didn't buy that I tried to make you buy oh last my night? god yeah that's the other new thing Todd was uh, I do that to, to my <clears throat> friends just you know yeah a lot I, yeah he was it's true <laughs> A whole a lot. <laughs> he was making me feel a whole lot. It's like 12. A whole bunch. 12, 10 at, at, at night. And, you know, I'm like, Jeff, you got to buy this thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, and I, I was working late last night. And it's like, I'm just getting all these text messages from Todd. Like, oh, check this out. And it, it it was a cool Epiphone Les Paul. the Arctic, All white tuxedo yeah, custom, man. With the with the gold hardware. I mean, it's like we were, just, bucks. we were just talking about that guitar. Yeah, I, that's three, why I sent it to you. I know. And then so for 300 bucks, it's <laughs> damn good price Yeah, for that. But uh, alas, I do not have the cash for that right now. Mm-hmm. So I might start selling plasma. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's you can make make <laughs> that's those smoky amps. That's, yeah, there you used go. to be able to hey, make good yeah, money. You could do that. Well, have you seen these uh, gas can guitars? Yeah. Yes. So fucking weird. Yeah, I don't know if we we're gonna have, we're gonna have to replace that with a sound or oh, something yeah. like that, so we can get Apple clearance. But yeah, it's like when you're, you're talking about the smoky amp, and that's exactly what I'm starting to think of are these gas can guitars. Yeah. They're weird. Yep. I don't know if I. I mean, if I think it's cool, or if cool. I think it's They're, really dumb, I don't know. The the Dutch cookie tin banjos and cigar box banjos cigar box, and all that yeah. business. <clears throat> Those are cool. I mean, a gas can amp and a little smoky, or a gas can guitar and a little smoky with a slide must sound amazing, <laughs> right? From a real beer bottle that you broke that day oh, on yeah. somebody's head. <laughs> that would be wicked. Hefe, what do you that got? Would, that would clear up your writer's block, I think, too. Well, it might. What? That whole story. You could create a story around that. Gas Can. What's the name of the song? Yeah, Gas Can. Uh, no. 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 Absolutely not. <laughs> no. Back to the writer's block. Hefe, <laughs> uh, what do you got going? All right, so this isn't something I own, but I happened upon it the other day. Can, which I, can, is, I, pre- can, can yes. I interrupt you yes. just for a minute? Yes. And preface that yes. at lunch today, as we've said that we often, this is how basically this whole thing started, in the middle of lunch, Jeff, who r- rarely exceeds a four on the excitement scale, <laughs> registered out of nowhere a seven. Solid seven. Smacked the, the, the bar in front of us. I got it. I got it. I'm so excited. It's his and new haircut. Like, what's going on? And you cut, and he cut his hair, which is... Is that what's new? Exciting Maybe. For, for probably Maybe. more so everybody else than him. But go ahead with your story. So, I bought that JHS pedal. Uh huh. So now, which one? The uh, uh, Andy Timmons signature pedal. And so now, in my YouTube feed, I get all the JHS stuff. And I just got this other uh, video the other day of a new pedal called the Bulb Mm -hmm. pedal. Has anybody seen it yet? The Bulb looks awesome. The Bulb. Bulb. The bulb for those bulb. east of or those west of us. <laughs> the bulb. <laughs> so this idea is really intriguing. Basically, you put in different light bulbs into this pedal, mm-hmm. and the way the uh, the filament of the bulb reacts with the circuitry of the oh, pedal cool. creates 
all these crazy different tones. Wow. What? It's phenomenal. That's, that's awesome. That's really cool. Now, whether the tones are usable or not, questionable, but hmm. it's pretty cool. So he goes through this whole video of putting these different type of bulbs into Does it have the, a dimmer switch? Well, I think that that little the rotator knob up yeah, there expression is kind of like the dimmer switch. They didn't go into any detail about how that works or what it does. That's, a, that's really cool. But uh, It's different. I feel like these pedals are just getting they're crazy. They're just getting crazy. It's just somebody had to just try it's that and say I wonder what this does things. yeah but it's amazing the difference of throwing different bulbs in there like mm. he he started with like a small tiny little bulb that was just more like an overdrive sound mm-hmm. he put an LED bulb in there and it created a delay like wow it's what? the same tone but now it's just delayed what that's amazing <laughs> <laughs> seems dangerous on a we, pedal board I know right? yes. yeah. stomping around like, wait I gotta change the, my the bulb the minister of information just gave us um, uh, something to look at <laughs> And nice so we're Edison looking at all of like these the Thomas Edison light bulb in yeah. it. Yeah, but there was like a, a funky disco bulb before that. I wonder what a black light does. Oh, well, that's fluorescent. It just makes you play. You sound like Floyd. Straight Gilmore solos. That's all that comes out. <laughs> but yeah, but that Edison bulb was like uh, really rich sonic with a lot of like reverb sounding like very uh surfy sounding hmm. that's really cool i just thought this was that's, this was really we have to pool our funds and get one yeah all right See, like have you seen well, a price on that or they know, they uh, could send uh, us one to try out well, and we review uh, it right what's a strobe light do that was the LED, that was the led that you were looking at but i i don't know wow. a strobe light would be um minister of information can you tell us how much those are while we continue to discuss um that that actually seems like a super fun one to play on with. <laughs> Not <laughs> on. I mean, I wouldn't want to play on it. But that kind yeah. of reminds me. It's a different take on it. But I remember way back in the day, remember the Yorkville PA systems when they were like the PA systems you could rent right. at music stores? Yep. And they were big rental companies, so they started making this circuit because they rent them out to these like bands that don't know what they're doing with PA, and they just go slam distortion through it and blow up speakers. Right. So they came up with a circuit back in the day that had a, a it was a truck, like a halogen truck bulb on in oh. the in the speaker. So when DC distortion would come in the from the speaker jack, it would use the DC to light the light bulb to burn off the energy and then pass through the clean oh. signal oh. to wow. keep the, it was a protection circuit. Yeah. And then if you really really hit it hard, you'd light that bulb up and then you would just blow the bulb. So it's like a power bypass. As it was essentially a way to get rid of that distortion or that DC yeah. electricity by lighting up a bulb. So I remember you go back, you go out to a club and you'd see one of these rental PA systems, and then you'd see light coming from like behind the speaker cones. <laughs> and you just knew that somebody was slamming it too hard, but it was, it was a smart. And then everybody's gimmick. like, "That's cool, slam it, <laughs> light it up, make that bulb light." Neato. So were there any other test bulbs in there? Uh, there were a series of like four or five you put in there, so you can put the video up and wow, go look at it. That's that's really that's an exciting. It was interesting. <laughs> Never, I, I haven't seen anything like that yet. But I know there's been talk in different forums around this idea of a light filament type pedal. But I don't know if ever anybody's ever built one that's marketing it. Before. Right. So the different metals that are used. I mean, th- if you think about the different metals, the different wattages, the different. W- Amounts of uh, winding or amount or number of filaments. Yeah, there's so many variables. Wow, yeah. and the current that it pulls. So mm-hmm. I'm assuming that's what the expression piece is. It controls the the current or the voltage of what's being delivered to the bulb. But 
Hmm. I don't even know if they're selling it yet. We're having trouble find a, finding a price on this it's thing. It's not on their site. Wait, did we just get April Fool's punk? We may have. Oh, it what? might have been. Ah, it's all over the net. He says, what day is today? Oh, that's going to be hilarious if we just <laughs> fell for it several days after. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, scroll down to the bottom of, of this Google I mean, search. Oh, it has to be. Oh. <laughs> Let's see, look, oh, April Fool's Roundup 2016. That's, that's disappointing. But oh, man. Dang, we just. How did we. I feel like we have to build it now. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's totally. But I'll I'll give a I'll give Grover a call. <laughs> Someone's gonna get it. electrocuted. He's got, he's got radio shack underneath. All right. I don't. I'm not seeing anything of fake yet. So. Well, no, but it's all over the internet. As. Yeah. Being punked. I mean, if it's on, uh, it'll be on Chicago Music Exchange because they're hand in hand with with JHS. Was that say the Chewbuck? <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All right. Well, we'll uh, time will tell if that's true or not. But it's a great story to to think about. What are you, um, what are you about to pull out? Well, they say it's fake. Excuse me while I whip this out. Um, so, hey Todd, yeah? what's new with you, buddy? Oh well, thanks for asking. Yeah. Um, I signed up for uh, String Joy Strings. Uh, it's a company that is getting a lot of attention right now. Um, they're out of uh, Nashville, Tennessee, and little little tiny little company that is doing some good things with strings. And um, sorry, my password won't connect in. My son of a. Uh, <laughs> there we go. Are you checking what my password is? Like, okay, so it's Stringjoy. Dot com, and what you do is they they basically will create a set of custom strings for you um, based on gauge. So they already have pre-made gauge pre-made gauge sets, but the big thing that they try to get try to sell you on I was going to say get you on, but they don't. I don't feel like I was gotten. So um, it says play your own strings, and it says create your own custom set today. So I went right for it. I've heard some good things about this. Um, they're uh, like again really active and social. And one unique thing that they do is, and I will do this as well on my social feed, is people are taking pictures with their new strings because you tell them what you want. You say, what are you, what are you trying to achieve with your sound? And then uh, maybe just any other things that you're looking for. Like maybe you want uh, to incorporate, for some reason, brass strings into your electric set for you know like acoustic ones or i don't know whatever crazy thing you conjuring up um for me what i asked for was i'd like to see a wound uh a wound g and because oh. um, i'm playing some you know some harder stuff uh or not harder in the sense of like metal but just a little with a little bit more attack it'd be cooler for your playing metal I well, I you'd be a lot cooler too. if you played metal. Yeah. I do play. I'm just saying for this stuff. I play metal. I like metal. I got Dave Mustaine's guitar pick in my wallet, so I mean that qual- I qualify. Um, the his model or did he? No, get, his he physically actual, gave he it went, to you and gave it to me. He's like, hey Tom, he's like, heads up. Yeah, yeah, cool. right in the middle of um, symphony of destruction. Yeah. 
Um, okay, so anyways, I said, hey, I'd really like to check out a, a, round, a, a wound G. And you can't just roll into Guitar Center and get those things. I mean, it's just, you know, there's probably one maker that does one set like that, but I typically use power slinkies. So I like that range, um, but I wanted, I just want to see like, well, if I'm going to do something different, I want to see what it really sounds like as different. So here's my set. We're doing a audible unboxing <gasps> and dun, 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 dun. there's two of them in here and that's a 11, 14, a 20 wound, a 28, a 38 and a 48. And it comes with a nice little card, like right here. A handwritten Look card. Look at that. That's nice. That's pretty sweet, Dear right? Todd, I Alex. hope you enjoy your new strings. Rock on, Alex and String Joy. Like, that's cool. Here, get it. <laughs> I'm posing photo, for photo a picture. Op here. Photo op. I feel like so, this is Dollar Shave Club for strings. Is it's, that where, is well, that where we're going there's here? Well, sh- there's a club for everything. And um, it's unique. I don't know what they sound like. I may hate them. I may love them. I hope they're not like cobalts because I hate cobalts, Aaron. Um, And I I was just, it was cool. I was like, wow, I think the string, like both of these, I paid, I think I paid like uh, nine, eight, maybe 19 bucks for them, which for a custom set, okay, I could do that. A good way to do, have you ever done a Nashville tuning? Where you the, yeah. the high E and B are the normal strings too normally, mm-hmm. but the low four are strung with really small strings and tuned an octave high. I haven't no okay. It's no, I super cool. Uh, it gives you this really sort of jangly sound. It's great for if you're recording doubling tracks or laying it underneath. Mm-hmm. Satriani did a ton of it on his first album, mm-hmm. and you hear those like really sharp, biting tones. It's a Nashville tune guitar. This would be a really easy way to do that. I, whenever I would do it for sessions, I'd have to go buy like six different packs of strings and oh, yeah. like cobble together. together what the pieces are. But this would, would be really easy. Would you reiterate the Nashville tuning for us? <clears throat> the, what, the, what the strings are? Is that what you're yeah. asking? Re-reiterate. Re-reiterate. Yes. Uh, so your high E and your B mm-hmm. are just two normal strings tuned normally like you would on any six-string guitar. Okay. But then the lower four, the E, A, D, and G, are strung with just smaller gauge strings. So I think the heaviest string in a pack is like a 22. Like a 22 okay. might be your like So it's almost like e. a reverse of a power slinky. It's it's basically, think of it this way. It's a 12-string guitar, but take off the lower strings. It's just the higher, the octave oh, okay. strings. Because you know, oh, on a 12-string, right, 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 the right. high two are tuned unison. So that those two stay the normal, but the low four are actually tuned an octave higher than okay. they would be. So all your same chord fingerings are exactly the same, but it gets a really interesting thing where... If you do like an arpeggiated pick pattern, you get up to those high strings that normally sound higher. They actually sound lower. Really? So it's a really neat texture. Lower really neat. and as an actual note, or lower as in like a darker. Well, they're an octave lower, so well, it right. It's okay. a really tight. It almost gives you that. You know, like if you capo that like really really bright sound you get when you capo way up on the neck. Yeah. It's kind of like that, yeah. but it's and it's the strings are super tight because wow. they're all you know cranked way up, but be a really easy way with these guys to to make a nashville set there you go all right so everybody who wants to try a nashville set go to stringjoy.com um i will follow up uh on probably next cast and tell you how they worked i'm these are both the the identical set but i am going to use them in slightly different applications i'm going to use one on a on an arch top my uh godan fifth avenue kingpin p90 um, and then on my uh, telly that I use for punky stuff. So 
cool stuff. That wraps up that segment. Does it? Except for Brian. Oh, my God. New Knob, what's going on new with you? New with me. Uh, this is the first time I've been here, so it's all new to you guys, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I have been kind of in studio mode. Last uh, December, I started renovating the studio and all new stuff in. So I've kind of been in studio mode. But from a guitar standpoint, I probably bought one of the simplest things ever. And I, too, I don't have it with me today, but I, too, got a handwritten note and a mm. personal email from the founder thanking me, asking me how I liked his product and all this. I got a thing called a Pedal Python. It's a weird name. I believe it's PedalPython.com. Okay. Uh, I have this. This information's on this right now. Yeah, we're going to check it out. It's, it's, this, it's the most, I love simple solutions to stupid problems. And this guy has solved this in a great way. Uh, I have I, I play a lot of modeling things. So when I play mm-hmm. live, I carry a little four space rack with a, a fractal uh, Axe FX unit in it, and I've got kind of a big pedal. Board. Way to steal your own thunder, dude. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> uh, so, I've, I've, but I've got this. I've got this uh, this big pedal board that you know it has a talk box on it and some you know power strip and some other things. I don't have a lot of individual pedals, but the controller for the fractal is pretty big and it uses a Cat five uh, Ethernet cable. So I've got a Cat five cable coming out. I have an audio cable going back to the rack, mm-hmm. and then I've got power going back to the rack to plug in. So I've got these three cords that are 30 feet long, mm-hmm. and it's you know I have to run them all separately, and then you got to sort of tape them down out of your way and all this stuff. So this pedal python, it, it almost looks like the, that sort of meshy material that you uh, bundle cables like for a home theater or something with. But the guy has a really ingenious solution. Like everyone's used wire ties before and then had all the... like lacerations and had to go to the ER from getting cut by wire ties. So he's got this really neat thing. You wire tie the end and then there's a custom piece of Velcro that comes over that has a bump in it. That's just made to cover the wire tie up so that it's safe. And then you fish all these cables down through this, this sheath and do the same thing at the other end. And you essentially made a snake out of this thing. It's the simplest thing, but it was super easy to use. And it saves me if I go out to shows with this thing, what used to be 15 or 20 minutes of time messing with all these cables. It's like five minutes now. And it's just been the size of that Python. Jeez. So I see he has the, uh, a a power cord run through there, like true, like full power power, which is, I've always read that's not a good thing to run your power line next to your audio signal lines. So have you had any issues with that at all? I haven't. I bought some really nice cables uh, to put in it, some really nice heavy-duty cables. I've always heard that if you run in perfect parallel, it, it doesn't. Do as it doesn't do as much so damage. Talking about like starts. it's crossing and crossing and bumping and grinding. Yeah, bumping yeah, and grinding. Like yeah. I haven't had any trouble yeah, at all. But what kind of cables yeah. did you get? Um, I got them from um, I believe it's called Best Tronics, the company that I found in one of the forums out there. Um, super high quality cables. I've been I've been buying either um, I believe it's Best Tronics. I may be incorrect. We'll see if the minister finds it. Mm-hmm. Um, that may not be it. I'll look it up. I'll, I'll give you the right name. <laughs> Wait, l- hang on a second. <laughs> let let us point out that <laughs> that was Minister searching. of Information used a hundred and twenty year old <laughs> technology sound to reference his modern day lightning fast internet information finding. That's yeah, uh, <laughs> btpa.com. <laughs> Or I can Morse code that to you. Sorry, <laughs> wrong. <laughs> oh my goodness! There. Oh, that's that's gonna be joy for Aaron. Oh, actually, so, no, that wasn't no, that bad. wasn't bad. No. 
So the, these guys, great cables. I've uh, been getting all my cables either from from this Bestronics place or from Lava Cables. Yeah, they have some really nice stuff too. But I I ended up getting, going with um, with Bestronics, and I got a power cable, uh, Cat Five, the with the EtherCon connectors. It looks like a mic cable, mm-hmm. and run them all down this thing. It's probably the most uh, basic thing I've ever purchased, but it's amazing how just these little things can can save you time. There are. I mean, we, we're probably going to need to do one on, on cables alone. I mean, the that's another thing that's just like exploding right now is custom. I'm using air quotes cables. Stringjoy actually does the custom cables too, and basically everybody is just getting on the like custom color, custom length, custom connection, and custom um, uh, uh, insulation, and. Man, cables are freaking expensive. Yeah, they are. I they can I'm be still, cheap, I still have as one of my main cables the cable that I bought when I was pr- maybe 23 and it still <clears> works. <throat> there's I mean, there's not much inside of them, so There isn't, but it's all got to be terminated nicely and yeah. basically But I've bought many since that have been crap too, so Yeah. Tricky tricky business, but it's it's you know, I like the idea of having a, a custom color cable too. Um, that's uh, yeah. So we'll do we'll do a segment soon on on cables, cables of choice, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe get a couple and try them out and see what we like. Um, cool. So that Python's going to help you out, which segues deliciously into our main topic, which is Brian. And <laughs> right. as a topic, not, Brian is a topic. Brian himself as a topic is probably not um, sufficient enough for it. Once you get past podcast. the Brian Adams jokes, right. where does it go? Right. Oh. Um, but that's a good question. Knowing him, uh, <laughs> well, we, we joke about you all the time. <laughs> yeah, we actually, when you're not that's here, fair. we make fun a lot of fun of you. Um, that's fair. I think uh, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on as guest was to. Uh, I think you've got a really great story of how you came into guitar, how you sustained yourself in guitar. Um, and uh, I think you have a more interesting choice of equipment than I, I would say the average person out there uh, gigging or home recording. So with that, I turn it over to Brian Adams. Not the. Not the. Not the. Yes, I do have, uh, I would say, an obscure gear preference i like the digital stuff mm-hmm. I, i've always been kind of the digital guy um i, I think man, what, but analog's <laughs> so much better i have two amps too are you I old have man a, analog is old that man, old man analog okay, so we gotta reference that yeah it's uh like this is a throwback episode and we're talking about modeling and things um, yeah, it's, I've had so many, I've found some pictures not long ago of, uh, you guys have seen some of my pictures when I had extremely long hair playing what? in a metal band. Long hair. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so bad. <laughs> so when you had long hair, what was the name of your band? I was in a band at the time called Girth. Yeah. G I R T H. You can find us on Spotify and all your other, all your other channels. There's another band we get grouped with on Spotify, um, that were way heavier than us. And I think instrumental. So were they called Shaft? No, they were also okay. called Girth, but oh, it's okay. different. Yeah, um, but yeah, we we played you know the harder rock metalish stuff, uh, all original. So back then I had a a Marshall that I used almost for power, and I had a thirty space rack 
that if you've ever done the math, uh, 30 spaces is That's like, like Universal Studios. It, it's high. Yeah, 30 space rack is, is gigantic. And I had the, this was like the early 90s to mid 90s. So I had the, the ADA MP1 preamp right. and the Rocktron IntelliFX processor and the uh, the Digitech harmonizer and you know all of this stuff and the amp and the rack and it all drove these speaker cabinets and I was you know we had like a huge box truck and the, you know just massive amounts of gear to your BC Rich Warlock. No, <laughs> I was okay. playing all Ibanez at the time. <laughs> all Ibanez, everything had a floating tremolo on it. Sure. But it all you know was all that like metal setup. And I, every time I'd have to get this 30 space rack like up a flight of stairs or something and I'd have to have four people helping me, I, that's when I was like, man, I wish I could just get all this in a box that I could carry myself. And, you know, it's right. kind of became this thing, but you just couldn't get it. You either went down the tube amp route, which is just big and bulky, too, or you had racks and racks of like components. So I one day I was working in this music store in high school and college. And there's a guy that, that came in and he was one of those guys that he always wanted something, but he never had money, but he had stuff to trade. And you couldn't know, we had like really strict rules on what we could take in on trade or what you could give for certain trades, but we'd be like, well, what do you want for it? So a lot of the guys that worked there would kind of barter with him and, and buy things. And this guy came in and he's like, hey, I need, he had this guitar and it was in pieces. It was an Ibanez like fixed bridge guitar. I don't know why it was in pieces, I didn't ask, but he said, I just want somebody to, he had this really gruff voice, like I just want somebody to put this back together. <laughs> and it's just like, box of parts and here's a body and here's a neck and i'm like okay uh, what how do you want to pay for this what do you want to do and he's like have you seen that line six amp and i said well, i've seen it and i actually in my head i was picturing it as like it was the line six the, the i think they called it the axis 212 mm-hmm. um back in the day and it was like in the picture i thought it was like maybe a foot wide and like Eight inches. It looked like a little tiny practice amp, and I, you know, I have this big giant rack, and I'm thinking, wow, be nice to just have an amp like in my practice room, just to, you know, be able to play this thing. And then he's like, I'll give you one of those. I bought it, and I hate it. I can't understand it. So I'm like, yeah, great. I'll get a little practice amp out of this. So then he wheels this thing in, and it's a. I should have known from Axis Two Twelve in the name <laughs> that it's Two Twelve, yeah. right? So it's like the size of about a Fender Twin, you know, mm-hmm. something like that. But still, it's easier than carrying around this this thing. And I, as I got it, I just went, man, this gets me like halfway there. And, you know, at the at the time I was playing in that when it was the all original band, it was more about I made my tone. Right. The ADA and like I just that was my sound. And I had one sound that I used throughout the night. There was a clean and a dirty and a lead patch and done. That's mm-hmm. all I needed. Then as the years went on and we weren't writing as much and we were just picking up a lot of shows doing covers, I discovered that I got I got really into trying to match what I was covering. You know, mm-hmm. if I was playing... Important for a cover band. Right. You know, I mean, there's always some leeway, but I wanted to, like, really go in. And, yeah, so when I had that thing, I found, like, I could dial up a really thin-sounding, like, Fender Tweed amp, and then I could go right to something that sounded like this huge stack. And, mm-hmm. like, to me, that was kind of... I had been using digital processors, but this is sort of the thing that got, like, modeling kind of changed it yeah, for me. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's, but it's not easy. You know, I think that's why people plug into this stuff, and they just go, ah, it's not... Because it doesn't feel the same, you know. It's not that that like you, when you plug into. I've got a triple rectifier and the Mesa four twelve. There's no quiet, right? You plug into that thing and you yeah. feel your clothes move, and that's part of the sound is the air that it's that it's literally moving. Yeah. If you actually heard the sound that a Mesa puts out, it's really thin and kind of brittle. It's just the, you know, the character of it. So when I got into that, that became like a real unlock for me. Mm. This this became like kind of a new passion. Okay, so. 
you went from uh, so interesting you went from marshall to a line six i bought a marshall uh 8280 valve state twin from a guy who worked at marshall and then started working at line six and he was selling all his stuff yeah. off for the line six yeah. stuff when line six like really first exploded um and i i went in and and uh, tried out what a line six was i gotta see what this thing is because you know this guy left well, who leaves that job for right and he's like, hey, you want to sound like Eddie Van Halen? Click. And there, you sound like Eddie Van Halen. It's like, and that, that actually freaked me out a little bit. And I was like, uh, back away. So the fact that you embraced it and as is you that said, why, many is of Is that others, because you were trying to play Eruption? You're like, oh, I can't uh, do it. <laughs> um, well, I couldn't, but <laughs> thanks for bringing that back. I can't either. <laughs> um, no, it was just, it was just, uh, just tapping. It was weird. There was something that felt... And I think probably a lot of people struggle with this. Like probably even an, uh, analog man, <laughs> old man analog, old, old man, man analog, <laughs> yeah. Um, who you know there was a there's a like a, in a, uh, an inauthenticness about it when you first approach it. You're like ah, that's not real. And when a lot of money is attached to it, something that you're not used to, yep. or that you don't know how long it's going to stick around. That's 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 a big giant barrier, but you it's, embraced it. Yeah, I did, and you know, I it was actually a bit out of ignorance at the time too. I I hated pedals for my entire life, and I even when I worked in this music store, I realized this is Im- almost embarrassing to say. I've realized how pedals really work in the last like five years. Mm-hmm. I always thought that like think distortion pedals Mm -hmm. like if you're playing like i was playing harder rock and metal you know angst ridden 20 somethings right we're Mm -hmm. all playing that stuff and i always thought that like a distortion pedal you would put it on a clean patch and then i was like these sound like garbage they're just like little thin you know and i'm trying out like bosses and dod's and all those pedals that were out like in the late 80s and 90s yeah but i didn't realize until later in life that like people were running a marshall and they're running it at like half gain and this is just like Boost. kind of the boost of the boost yeah. and for I, I was always such a purist with like signal flow and gain and things that it was like the cleanest of the clean sound and then i'm trying to make this pedal do all this work mm-hmm. and but then i've got the distortion so high that these nine volt driven things are yeah just like hiss monsters so that i think the reason that i went so deep into digital is because i could make it do what i wanted and it I, you know, I was just using things differently than most people were. Well, you were still, you were using the, the mentality that you were comfortable with just with the right set of tools now. Right. Yeah. I've always been more of that, like uh, recording has always kind of been a thing for me. So signal flow and, and I hated noise. I remember I went to the Newport here in Columbus one Halloween and it was the first uh, G3 tour. Mm. It was like Satriani, Vi and Eric Johnson. Amazing, amazing night. All three of those guys were monsters. But Jeff I'm, just gave you the O face right there, by the way. No, actually, I was there. <laughs> no, he didn't even react. No, I was like, you guys didn't go? He's like, what was your problem? <laughs> he just shuddered. Yeah. So, I, remember, I remember, though, Eric Johnson coming out. And, you know, the guy was monster tone, monster player. Yeah. You can't take anything away from him. But I remember he comes out and, they, like, the house music goes off. And he comes out on stage with that Strat. And through the PA, you just hear... And it's just so much hiss. And, so and loud. We were joking shit. the whole time about, like, how many nine volts does that guy go through at a night? Like, and, you know, all these. Because it was just, and I've never been able to tolerate 
things like that. Like I, mm-hmm. I can't get over hiss and hum and buzz and like background noise. I, and guys like Eric Johnson embrace it and just play through it and still sound amazing. But I can't like, yeah, there's a certain very, purist mentality yeah. that I just couldn't get past with that stuff. So you, uh, you were line six, which was kind of at the beginning of the kind of the digital revolution of, you know, guitar tone, right? Yeah, sort of them. I, I followed them. I, I went from the Line Six to the Line Six Veta that I got. I had the the Axis okay. or the Axis Two Twelve. Then they sold an upgrade kit to turn it into the AX Two. And like nobody would do this anymore. They actually sent you a chip, oh. and you you took the guts out and you <laughs> popped out like the processor and you popped in a new processor and then there was a new faceplate that you glued on and. <laughs> Like they wouldn't, they wouldn't do that. So I, when I went to the vet, like you're fixing up an Audi or something. <laughs> I, know, I know it was like it was very, it was very in depth. But then I went to the Veta, the Line Six Veta, and I they were on this trajectory of like doing boutique stuff. They were doing high end. I'm like, this is it. They're with me. And I think after the Veta, then they went. Wait a minute. There's a lot more people buying hundred dollar amps and three hundred dollar amps than are buying these like twenty five hundred dollar, three thousand mm-hmm. dollar amps. So I think they when they lost me when they went more for volume and started, you know, filling up Guitar Center with things. So that then it, I think the quality started to go down because they were just making cheaper products. So they that's, started splintering out all the different products. And yeah, focusing. Yeah, yeah the Veta to me was a, was a really really nice processor, and they've just gotten back to it now with the Helix, which I haven't played yeah. yet, but I'd love to I'd I love saw, to hear it. Saw a review of that thing; it looks interesting. So that's kind of leading into the your your next upgrade, right? Yes, I love this one. The, yeah. the Axe FX. Yes, so I am now playing the Fractal Audio Axe FX. Uh, I have the Axe FX two, I believe, not the two XL, uh, but it is phenomenal. It, um, I think, you know, the thing with all this processing when you get into modeling and you get into all these things, it's it's kind of like tube amps. When you think about tube amps, you know, you get when you get into like the maces and things, the more tubes in there, you get more versatile, you get more rectifier tubes, you can do more with it. The same logic really applies when you think about something like an Axe Effects, where it's all in processing power. You're buying a computer. Right. So what these people did, I mean, it's not a cheap processor. It's not entry level by any means. But what they've done is they just put monster processors in it so that you've got these amp models and they can sound right. I just watched a video on the Helix and the, the guy that was demoing it talked about processing power. And he, they have this massive like library of all these amps they've collected, all these old tube amps that they model. And the thing he mentioned is they went back and remodeled all these amps mm-hmm. that they had because now they have the processing power to, to actually support, yeah, like do it better, change all the parameters and things. But yeah, the fractal is my main. Um, I've actually coupled it with something too. It's uh, this is I don't even know if you if you know this yet. So the fractal is where I do. It's my main tone source with the pedal board. I've got a couple mission uh, expression pedals that I use with it. It can be wah or volume or whatever. Got to have the talk box in there, and you know, everybody's got to play some Bon Jovi now and then. <laughs> Um, but the coolest thing that I added to it, you know, this whole, this path of like trying to really model the amps that the play, if I'm, I'm playing with a cover band right now and it's, it's kind of fun to just take that challenge on and try to match their yeah, tone. Definitely. So I've added the line six Variax to the mix too. So I'm not only modeling, I'm not only playing fake amps. Now I'm playing fake guitars yeah. through the fake amps. So I feel, <laughs> I feel like if I'm going in, I'm going all in. Yeah. Which is pretty phenomenal sound anymore. Like I remember when line six first came out, I got the pod, like probably a million other people did too. Yep. And there's like maybe four settings on there. Yeah. Useful. I imagine pro- I didn't play any of the other line six after that. Cause I was like, ah, it's not there. Yeah. It's not going to happen. But hearing the X effects was like, wow, that's, it's, that's all. It's almost there. It's pretty close to majority of people probably wouldn't know. 
it's until you play it, you really don't know. I um, I kind of bought it a little bit sight unseen. I you know I read everything on the internet and I watched all these demo videos, and I'm seeing all these people do it. Uh, like pick it up and I'm seeing a lot of I was seeing it on stages like a major acts I would I would notice and they do like a fly gig where then you never know what backline amp the you know the company's going to bring in for you so these guys finally just started buying these things racking them up and they just fly with it and then they can plug it into whatever power amp shows up on the other end and it's the coupling of those two together the fact that that I can dial up on the very acts uh, if you don't know what the Variax is, I can explain it really quickly. It's essentially a, a regular guitar. It's got, I have the one that's kind of like a Les Paul shape. Uh, I think it's the JTV 59, I think is the one that I'm playing. Um, the original model didn't have magnetic pickups in it. It only had the little piezo pickup mm-hmm. under the bridge. So it was all modeling. So the new one, you can use it just like a regular guitar with a three-way switch and a volume and tone, but it has two other knobs on it. So if I put it in to one of the modes. One of them is a guitar model, so you can pick a Tele, a Les Paul, a Strat, and the software, the Workbench software that you that I have on the Mac, you can pull it up and say, okay, I want this to be a Strat body with P90s, and you can even adjust the angle, or there's three P90s and they're all slammed back to the bridge, or you can do all these like custom configs and save tunings with it too. So I'll dial up, you know, if you're playing, a, you know, whatever you want to sound like. You want to sound like Tom Petty, you dial up like a, fender twin or something on the fractal put it on a telly setting here and it's pretty close out of the box and then you tweak it from there but it's really nice to be able to just change tunings you want to play and drop d just move it down to d and you don't even retune it that's wild man <laughs> <That's good. laughs> summing it up it's, it's just just everything's fake there's yeah. nothing nothing to see here so were you uh I, this is a problem i always have with something as versatile as that both the guitar and the x effects is like you can modify it for days and you get become paralyzed from everything you can do with it and trying to find the right Lots thing it's that's oh it's true it, it is an, an endless quest i don't know if, if you guys do this too or if old man analog does this with things but i find like before i have a show i, I set everything up like in the studio and I decide like the night before a show, I want to redo all my sounds. <laughs> I do it every time. And I don't know why I do it every time because I can always make it better. There's always something yeah. to do. I will say that the something that's helped with that a lot is I hate like everybody. I think the thing that turns most people off about stuff like this is editing from those front panel screens yeah. and the arrow buttons and like the dials and wheels. And you can't see the whole picture. Right. All the software now that comes with them, all the USB connections mm-hmm. makes it way it's drag and drop. And, you know, you can drag your signal chain out and it's I only I, I wouldn't know how if I was out at a show and I had to edit something on the fractal I would have no idea how to do it I've never used the front panel yeah, I do it all in the software does that scare you at all if if like <clears throat> let's say something just goes haywire <laughs> like, it does I I, I had that happen one year when with my my 30 space rack we were playing this battle of the bands one time uh, at like this outside place and the power was running from like thousand yards away so there's probably like four volts by the time it got to the stage so my rack just kept like four of the processors just kept resetting they would just reboot and reboot and reboot and my friend's band was there and this guy plays this like 1970 uh like a uh, the what's the the marshall the one that's like is it the 45 the jtm 45 i think old 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 marshall that like has no channel switching or anything no reverb it's just like a single channel marshall and a rat pedal and he's like lets me borrow this thing (laughs) 
So, and it's not my tone at all. So I'm playing this like this gold faced beast, you know, it, because that thing didn't care. It actually sounded really interesting being starved for voltage. Like it's, it, it did this. So that happened to me with the rack. So to this day, I carry in my bag a $29 Behringer, like little guitar pedal that just has an XLR out on it. Yeah. And it's just, it, it, there's like clean, dirty, like lead. It's just got like a switch. And that's my fallback. That if something goes down, it will sound <laughs> terrible, but it'll be it'll be some kind that's of noise. Some, do you do you have do you ever bring just like a uh, like a single twelve combo or anything like that? Nothing. I don't even own one. Um, I have the part of the rack is I play the um, Matrix audio stuff. There, I believe they're in London. Um, really nice uh, single twelves, and they have I have a single twelve, just like a Q twelve. Um, and I run a matrix power amp, like a thousand watt power amp, but everything we do is all in ear now. So the only reason that it's even there is if I want to go back and make something feedback, it's just there literally for that. So I'll go back and just grab the volume and make it feedback. And I just turn the volume off cause I can't, I don't hear the cabinet anyway, but I do carry a little bit of an amp. I could just run the, the, my $29 beast into that if I had yeah. to. Or so, the, or the smoky. They're smoky. The smoky uh, would do it. There you go. <laughs> Put that in your back pocket. So, Talk about let let's um, all of your digital gear is very fascinating, Brian. Um, can you touch on just really quick? Uh, you're we know that you have a pretty um, you got a good story around your learning. Were you just patronizing our guest? Well, yes, but I'll in a in a, con, in a comic <laughs> way. Fine with that. Um, You're old man analog. Your story aren't you? has become tiresome. <laughs> <laughs> old man analog is frustrated with all these ones and zeros. I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> um, so, those of us who know you, uh, you got a really great story about how did you go from zero to where you are now. Um, touch on that really quick. Yeah, uh, I started playing guitar in, I believe it was January of 1989. And um, I had a friend who played who, you know, I would kind of watch him and sort of started getting interesting to it, interest, interested in it. Um, it was about the time that Appetite for Destruction was all over everything, everywhere. Very ironic that they're back on tour now. I think yeah. starting this old week. Old Man Analog just gave the metal horns. I, it's nothing wrong with a little Appetite oh, for wait, Destruction. Oh, wait, I'm Old Man Analog? <laughs> <laughs> no. Thanks for playing. <laughs> so I started, I just started picking up things about that time, and I realized really quickly that I was going to do this and I was, I was all in. So I started trying to learn everything and read everything. And I was buying guitar for the practicing musician and guitar world. And like, I think at the time there were like five guitar magazines and there's like one now or like there were, that's how you learned. There was no internet to look up stuff. It was just buying things and dissecting albums and all that. Oh, to have stock of guitar center at that point. (laughs) When you had to go to a store to buy something. Yeah. Um, so I decided that I was going to, I set a goal for myself, which I was never really good at doing. And I decided that I was going to play guitar at least an hour a day, every day. That was my, all right, I'm going to do this and that'll help me get better if I make it a schedule. Mm-hmm. So I did it and it was never just an hour. And I was like, I want to do this for a year. I want to see how good I can get like next January if I do this for a year. So I would, it was always three hours, four hours. It would be, I would come home from school and play until two in the morning and repeat, right? It turned into that. So I decided to do that. I was going to do that for a year and a year sort of flew by. And I, you know, those mm-hmm. first years, like it's, I wish I could learn like 
that much now. You know, it's yeah. like, man, every day I can see, I could play something today that I couldn't play yesterday and like leaps and bounds. So I did it for a year and I was like, I wonder how long I can go without skipping a day without like never playing a guitar. And there are days, you know, you're sick or whatever and you might mm-hmm. not get eight hours in, but you might do an hour or something like that. Um, even I would go on vacation with the family and I would figure out to go to California to see family and I would have to rent a guitar and an amp while I was there and my uncle would get it and have it there so that I could fly and then I could play. Like became the <laughs> family was really frustrated. I'm like, right. no, I can't miss a day. I was like, Sounds like a club softball I, or something. Yeah, it's like, it's, it was terrible. <laughs> but I did it for a year and then I ended up sticking with it and it was, uh, it was over 10 years before I actually missed a day. Of wow. playing, and then That's from that impressive. point forward, I just stopped practicing. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'm terrible about it now. I, well, then you, you then you, you discovered girls. Oh, that's the reason I started playing, right. actually. But, but, but yeah. yeah, somehow you forgot about them in the middle. <laughs> yeah, I just kind of, I, I just went all in. That's cool. So that is. That's a story that that you've shared with a lot of us, uh, and um, I think probably you know I, I I know I've gained inspiration from that. Um, so now, how what is your approach to continuing to grow? I have realized um, with guitar, that's always home base. You know, mm-hmm. it's like even if I'm doing something at, for work, you know, I might be mixing something. I was. I, I did some stupid little video thing the other day where I was auto-tuning, kind of like an auto-tune the news sort of thing. But I grabbed a guitar to figure out what notes they were and what key is the backing track in. That's my home base. Mm -hmm. I always go back to that. So I've started now with my studio at home challenging myself to not go back to guitar. It's like I want to surround it with other things. So Mm. I want to understand more about theory. I want to do more with the piano, just because it's easy to put other things in if I'm composing yeah. something. I'm, I'm trying to focus more on the other pieces where I went all in on the mechanics of guitar and just right. how do these two hands work together to make sounds. Yeah. I want to round myself out with being a better writer, with being better, just knowledgeable about mm-hmm. music and the parts that I think will plug in that will ultimately make me an even better guitarist. But I need to come, I need better surrounding skills, I think is where my focus is right now. On, I want to write stuff that's it might not even be music that I'm into now just write something in a different style or mm-hmm. just start to broaden out like weirder areas and figure out what's going on in there mm-hmm. that's what, uh, I think that's a topic that uh, Aaron touches on quite a bit about just getting back to your your writing and your, your yeah I mean it's, that, that's always been the my <clears throat> biggest thing is more than being a technician or a master of one thing you know it's like I've always just been dabbling in all the other accoutrement <laughs> okay thanks twisty mustache um cool all right well we're right about at the time for top four, top four and plus one um but dude thanks for sharing the story though well, thanks for having me it's been a blast um uh i will i think on the next episode i'll touch on to how the story that he just shared, which I already knew, inspired me to do something, to start something last night, which I'm not sharing today. <laughs> cool. Wow. Say what? that again. <laughs> um, all right. So our top four plus one today is signature sound. So what guitar player is mm. uh, for you has mm. a signature sound that you're like, 
Yep. I love it. I love that sound. You Maybe it's a default that you always go to when you're actually playing to make you feel comfortable, make you feel like you're doing, rocking out, doing well. I mean, like whatever. Eric Johnson's nine volt battery hiss, like that's that yeah, kind of thing. Sure. That's your thing. Um, that's not my thing. It doesn't have okay. to be super, spe- it doesn't have to be ultra specific, but you guys know the rules. Um, and we'd love to hear yours. So uh, after we finish this segment and post it up, go ahead and comment on, on uh, our Facebook group and let us know what your signature is your favorite signature sound is and spin the wheel of topics to Jay. Boom. All right. So guitarist guitar signature sound that I was thinking about this, uh, this week was Andy Summers, right? Huge police fan. Right. And so I just always dug his, like, you can like when you listen to a police song, you know, it's a police song, right? But without like, without any, uh, Without seeing the, the you mean because of Sting? Well, <laughs> no. Who's this annoying singer? Oh, it's Sting. Well, I mean, yeah. I guess actually, you're like, well, yeah. He has, uh, no, I, I know his tantric. You know, you, you can recognize his tantric uh, sexuality coming through the. Oh God, whatever. No, Andy Summers has a cool sound. It's always really clean and like you know, coarsey. There, there, there weren't, yeah, there weren't a lot of like, and and that's. Actually, I typically like really crushing distortion on guitars, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I always dug his thing because it was just it was not like everybody else at the time. And so, and, and you know, doing all those um, inverted, you know, and, and uh, reggae style uh, stuff way back You're then. You're right. Inversions. Yeah. Keep going. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> You can do it. Yeah. Wow. Old so, man Analog has got one up his skirt right now. I know, man. God. <laughs> so, yeah, Andy Summers. It's about time I start dishing it back out to all you more clothes. <clears throat> I feel like you occupy a space on this show. <laughs> the anger. Okay, so, yes, Andy Summers. That's, that, that's a good one. Andy Summers. Yeah. Is that what he sounds like? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I never met the guy. He's from Seattle. That's but no. I mean, I think that is actually a really good one, and not one that we we might have. It's not an obvious one, but it's certainly like the minute you hear it, you're right. It's like you you know exactly where that's coming from. Um, Jeff, Hefe. Ah, this is an easy one for Brian me. Adams. <laughs> yes. Wait, Z Brian 80, Adams? 85. 85. Is that, is that cut like a knife? 85? Somewhere in there. Yeah. <laughs> it's my favorite tone of a guitar I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> I have a sense this is not true. Yeah, no, this is not true. No. So what is true? So, there, I mean, there's a bunch that stand out for me, but there's one that that I always try to play and sound like, which I can never do. And... Dio. No. He's a singer. Yeah. Well, we could talk. Oh, We're not talking about singers at all, right? It'd be Vivian Campbell from the... Vivian Campbell? Well, from one... Choose it, man. No. Stevie Ray Vaughan. Stevie Ray Vaughan. Okay. Of course. And it, it is all magic in his hands, mostly, which is... It's sad to try to emulate, and people do try to emulate, and... Mm-hmm. Some do it successfully, but the fact that he kind of, he has this crazy uh, sound that he developed over years of him just fighting that guitar and, you know, strong handing it and 
different. He played like 14s or something. On yeah, which is really, really, really heavy strings too. Yeah, back to the string conversation there. there was, I was actually just reading an interesting article on Premier Guitar about all these um, theories about what people actually use for string gauge. And that was one of him using ginormous strings and starting this trend of, hey, if Steve Ray Vaughan is doing it, he's getting this tone, I'm going to do it. Everybody started using it. And Billy Gibbons uses like eights. Eight, or yeah. yeah. Like, that's yeah. bananas. Um, there was a couple other people that were really interesting. Like, you would never expect them using this type of string. Um, uh, Chuck Berry used banjo strings. <laughs> what? Yeah. So, like, crazy stuff like that. <laughs> that's crazy. But, yeah, so his tone is, is to me, it's, you know, it's not nowadays with all the blues players out there everybody's trying to emulate him and getting lost in the mix of what he really was able to accomplish with his tone and i mean many people have tried to emulate him for years so very recognizable for me cool that's a good one you todd me yeah let's, let's switch up the order I'll, a little okay, bit I'll switch up the order um billy duffy I'll, I'm I'm a huge cult fan, and but aside from like the cult songs and and digging what they're about and everything, I've just always appreciated his um his tone, um, and it it feels like it feels close to what I usually end up doing. Actually, if you go to BillyDuffy.com forward slash gear, it, it, it's a great site. He's got they list out everything that he uses. And if you click on any one of those things, it gives you a description, you know, even the, some of the pedals, which I also appreciate because he doesn't, he doesn't have a massive pedal board. He's a master of simplicity. He's got his Falcon, you know, I mean, he's got several of 17 them. 17 of them, it looks like. He's got a lot of them. Um, but his tone's coming from his Falcon, and he's got a signature Falcon. Um, and, um, and uh, you know, a, a Les Paul um, custom. Um, those are his two main guitars that he used. And then when uh, when we're talking about amps, he's not using, you know, massive stacks. He's pushing smaller amps. Um, he's I think he's on tour right now with, with uh, Roland Vox's. Um, but he has a couple for different sounds. You know, like if he dips into like Sonic Temple, I think he's pulling up a Friedman um, or a Matchless. I'm trying to remember. Mm-hmm. Um, the and, irony is I, I play nothing but Friedman models in my fractal. There you go. Fake one, real Put one. a Friedman in your fractal. <laughs> uh, that should be their headline. I've never heard of Friedman. I've been seeing them everywhere. My favorite one in there is called the Harry Brown Eye, which is the best name ever for an amplifier. <laughs> Ooh. So are those... Uh, Friedmans are crazy expensive. Those are yeah. like $3,000 heads. But they're like... They're, they're, they're essentially like, like hyper-modded modern. That's what it's like I, a that's JTM what I 45 that's been hyper-modded. Right. Yeah. That's what I thought. Um, but I've seen other people that like on the clean side starting to use them or, yep. yeah. and so I was, I was curious about that. Well, yeah, they're kind of like the tippy top of the boutique, yeah. like food chain. Um, and, and then pedals, his, his main sound is driven by, um, a, a Kalamazoo, um, a, a love pedal Kalamazoo. And, um, he's got, you know, he's got a tube screamer and, uh, um, He's got a, um, this one called the Whirlwind, the bomb pedal, which is basically just a, it's a, it's a volume boost. Um, not a, not a pedal on a rocker, but anyways, just really simple sounds, but he's dialed those three variables, the guitar, the amp and, and the, the, you know, the, the short, um, stack of pedals to the minute I hear his sound, it's like, I, I know it. I, I absolutely know it. And, and it's, 
It's a great, it's a progressive, biting, but still like classic, like toothy rock sound with a little bit of dimension to it. Love it. Thank you, Mr. Duffy. I learned how to play guitar basically like playing his, like replaying his song. So there you go. Cookie, what you got? <laughs> what? Well, it's so funny. No, nothing. nothing. Oh, okay. Go ahead, uh, go ahead now. Okay. John Frusciante. Mm. Hmm. Okay, Brian, what's your <laughs> <laughs> Here we go again. I don't uh, know. <laughs> the laughing continues. Uh, yeah. I don't have to yeah, take this. <laughs> I don't have to take this from you guys. <laughs> I don't I I don't know. I don't know where his sound comes from. I it, it, this is going to sound super cheesy, but I, I swear it comes from inside of him. He's, and and heroin. <laughs> Not anymore. He's clean. Now. Yeah, yeah, he's clean. Does yoga. Eats, eats kale. <laughs> Electronic musician now, right? Yeah, actually, he's uh, really into that stuff as of late. Line six. <sighs> <laughs> so go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, it's like, honestly, between Les Claypool and Primus and... No, pick one. Late yeah, 90s know, Chili Peppers. Frusciante. Well, I mean, those are the artists that really got me into music. And, and um, I just remember being in high school... Uh, freshman year and Blood Sugar Sex Magic came out and just the layers that were being created in that music astounded me uh, still still does that album is probably my favorite ever but um, I don't know there, there's something really ugly about his tone um, it, it's just raw and I, I think yeah. I would um, agree it's, it's like he's fighting in a bad yeah. way yeah yeah which but when you watch him, when you watch him, he's lost. Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah. lost in it, and that's pretty beautiful, actually. Yeah, yeah. he's really unconventional with the stuff that he makes up too. You didn't yeah. realize how much his sound was the Chili Pepper sound until oh. you heard Dave Navarro try right. to like yep. carry that. Yeah. Right. Right. that was, was awful. Like, oh, that's not right. <laughs> no, and I like Dave Navarro. I'm a fan of right. Dave, yeah, but that was that not guy. a good fit. That no, was, yeah, that didn't. crazy rhythm. You know, like his, his rhythmic skills are like I thought were massive. Who for Shani? Yeah. Like, oh yeah. How he just like just. Real, real subtle sometimes. But yeah. and, and he does them in. I, the reason that it is a signature sound is he creates, the, he creates those with in very unconventional ways, and it feels like it's constantly changing. You, it, it feels like you don't hear him play the same thing almost ever. It just it, it, it everything he's doing sounds so new. I got a, I got a CD, uh, uh, John Frusciante CD, and I think it was. It was like 50 songs that he just like busted. He was just like, bleh, right? And hey, listen, not all of that was gold, let me tell you. But it really opened my eyes to like, holy mackerel. This dude has got vaults of, of music and talent just, just, just laying there. And it's, that it's, was really impressive. It's interesting the difference between someone that's always experimental right always yeah. trying to push their sound trying to come up with changing their presets right before the show like always trying to experiment trying to get something new versus the guy that got their tone and mastered it and then use it you know every day as a Such as a weapon yeah yeah i mean there's, i was there's a lot of people that they got their tone they will not right steve ravon is one of them right he you know his tone that's his tone he doesn't venture out of that very far but you have this other whole side of exploration which is good and bad and but it's it's definitely more creative and energetic sound 
Well, yeah, I, I, I wish I was a, a weirdo like him. I feel like I'd be a much better artist. Oh, you are, brother. No. Um, I, that 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 brings up a good point, though. Like we're talking about signature sound or signature tone, right? And right now, up to this point, we've we've kind of focused on like you know what are they using to do that? But if I think about Duffy and doing his open chords, open chord, uh, sorry, open string, um, droning stuff, right? And John like fighting the guitar and doing like really weird chord structures and, and Stevie Ray like again fighting and like pushing and overdriving and, and really messing with volume. Right. Like that's not that's not a result of an equipment chain. That's back to like what are they actually doing that's yeah. actually creating their own signature sound, yep. not just notes. Yep. That's a good one. All right. Thank you. Brian. The not the Bring not, it home. Not the, yes. Uh, I think signature sound, there's, I go a lot of different ways with it and things that like have stuck in my brain of sounds that I want to emulate and things that I want to be, you know, and it's, it's really weird. You, you nailed it there where you're saying like, it is all of those factors together. And it's like when I, when we talked about this subject, I'm sort of like, how do you pick one thing? Right. But I probably would have to go to um, something that drove me musically to try to be a better person in that realm. And mm-hmm. it would probably be John Petrucci from dream theater. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. It's a, a it's really weird. Cause it, that to me, like when I heard pull me under, I'm like, okay, this is like a Metallica album, but these guys are super technical. Right, right like, what's going on there? And so then I bought the album, and of course you hear Pull Me Under, and that's like the most mainstream thing they've ever recorded still to this day. Yeah. And there's like this whole realm out there, and I was never like into all the other progressive bands. You know, ever, Usually if you're a Dream Theater fan, you've got this whole list of other bands that you follow around the world, and right, that, that yeah. never was a thing for me. But I was fascinated at how John Petrucci could get heavy tones like metal like tones but yet i could still hear six different notes in all those gigantic chords that he's playing and so it was like while it's not to me like i gravitate toward tones that i can't play like stevie ray vaughn i that's if there's one person that's like on the bottom of the list of somebody i could never ever sound like it's got to be him like I, i can't match that tone but i love that like that throaty strat yeah. sound that single coil on a neck so pickup you know like that mm, yeah. <laughs> that tone is just like a fascinating tone to me so it's like i'm drawn to those and even guys like the like the helicasters and those guys that do oh, the yeah. crazy like, yeah. crazy thing like i can't mimic that but i love pulling like those pieces out mm-hmm. into things and it's it's weird too i was just having this conversation with a guitarist friend of mine about how as i get older i play with less and less and less gain I keep like backing yeah, the distortion so down. <laughs> Same thing. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know what it is, but like you start to, you feel like you're covering something up in yep. there and you start you see to clarity. You start yeah. to pull some stuff out. And I, I told him, I said, I, I started backing the game down. He's like, Oh, I'm never doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I find myself practicing country lakes. So yeah. Yeah. I guess we all grow up at some point, but yeah, I think from a, from the standpoint of Petrucci's not the most like, Oh wow. I hear, I know who that is when I hear it. It's it's again back to that point of what does he do with that tone and how does he mix it in with seventeen keyboards and some guy singing opera and a drummer right. that's playing a million beats a minute and you know it's just it's a fascinating thing when it all comes together. That's a good one. I I kind of thought you might mention him. Uh, there's maybe two or three others that I, that I figured it might be, but um, yeah, he's kind of a beast. 
not doing so bad with uh, the all of his uh, signature gear right now too. Yeah. Holy mm-hmm. moly, that guy's name everything. It. Yeah, jeez. I tried listening the, to their new album. It's a it's an adventure, yeah. for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I used to I used to listen to them almost twenty four yeah. seven, and I've kind of backed off a little bit. I don't think my brain can handle any more stuff in there. <laughs> a lot going on. It's Man. another interesting topic. Yeah, kind of like turning it down, like what you cannot lo- listen to any longer because you've listened to it way too much. <laughs> I you know I kind of thought that you were gonna pick uh, Joel Holkstra. I don't even know who that is. Oh. Well, you should look in <laughs> Wicked, wicked. I but feel like I've got same, some learning to do. On I don't know who that is either. Level. Like, yeah, he, I mean, he was he he flowed through all of the, um, a lot of the bigger names. He was, he was in White, White Snake. Snake and Night Ranger, Trans-Siberian Orchestra. I did not know this. Um, yeah. There's no signature tone. Apparently not. No, he's just amazing. And not amazing. So, okay. And this is where... Is this because you went and saw him in no, the orchestra? never seen him. Never seen him. Um, but I was uh, watching that metal show Siberian one season, and I, and I was watching this guy. I was like, oh, my gosh. I've never... I, like, that guy, like, climbed to the top hmm. of, I think, is he the blonde technical hair? skill and uh, raw talent. Know. Just being able to, like, fluidly express yourself, which is different. I love the than, gesture, too, like, fluidly expressive, muy macho. Um, which is, we've had, Jeff, we've had this discussion several times about like Satriani and, and stuff like that. And it's like, I, I would, any day of the week, I would rather listen to Frusciani like struggle and beat the crap out of his guitar than, than listen to Satriani. And it's not, a not, I mean, obviously he's really good. It's just, it's so perfect and un- scary and and it's, un, it's very happy yeah it's happy mm-hmm. and it's it's just i don't there's no danger in it yeah. and there's no there's no like oh gosh he just went there i didn't expect him to yeah. there's it's just not it's like if you hit a piano key it's like bing that's the tone that's it that's all it's ever gonna be and that's what it's kind of like listening to but the one i was i i i thought you'd either pick joel hookshire or, or uh yeah, but anyways, <laughs> so anyhow, or, or I need who? to look him up. Or yeah, um, yeah, interesting, interesting uh, character to watch. Okay, so this was a marathon. That was, but that's a good one. It was good. Thanks, dude. Thanks for Thanks having me. Thanks, knobs. Oh, that's it for these knobs. Please join us on Facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash guitar knobs. And tell us what you think and share your stories and guitar stuff along with ours. You can also find us at twitter.com forward slash guitar underscore knobs and also at our website at guitarknobs.podbean.com. <laughs>